1: Alright, I can make the joke that everything is proceeding as I have foreseen, because we have gremlins again, like we always do. Welcome everyone, we are live from the bunker, Jason Hutt here, I am the editor-in-chief at sci-fi for mecom and uh, we are glad you're here. If you're listening on a podcast player, or if you prefer podcast players, we have a number of them where you can find us. Just search Sci-Fi for Me. And in the meantime, if you're here live, uh, the chat is open. If you are watching in replay, you can leave a comment. And as always, you can send us an email. Live from the bunker at Sci-Fi for me.com is where you can get a hold of us. And, uh, we're on all the socials, we've got a newsletter, and we are broadcasting to YouTube and Facebook and Odyssey, but I don't know that the signal is actually going out, because I don't see, uh, I've got a lot of, uh, winky blinkies here saying that there's some kind of, uh. Delay. So, if anybody is lagging, if anybody's buffering, if you want to let me know about that, because it is one of those things where I'm not quite sure if anything's working or not. Typical, typical. That's how things are around here, are they not, Mrs. Boss? So, uh, so anyway, here we are. It is uh, May the 4th. Uh, I do, I do uh, We mentioned Odyssey. I, I do want to mention Tom over at Odyssey in their tech support uh, customer service. He has been very good about a lot of back and forth in the email uh, to try to determine exactly how all of this is supposed to work with live streaming from Odyssey. We're still working out a few bugs, but uh, we're getting there. It's getting there right now. Um, right now I'm looking at the live stream for this show over on Odyssey, and I'm seeing the the uh the end credits for last night's H2O. So I don't know exactly where things are breaking down there, but uh this Jedi robe is a little hot. Okay. So so here we are. It is uh it is Tuesday, May the 4th. Tomorrow on the program, Austin Osweki will be joining us. He is the CEO of Comic Distro, which is a new comic book distribution outlet. And they've just announced that they're going to be taking on, I believe, um, Blue Water, Tidal Wave, Comics. Uh, let me look here because this is a brand new thing that they just announced today. They're looking at different comic book publishers and putting together a new way of distributing uh, Tidal Wave Productions. Their new is their new client, publisher. Uh, they're they're taking publishing, and basically the publishers put their material on a site, and the retailers can order off of that site and they get print on demand, I think. So we'll have him in here tomorrow to talk about that. And then next week, on Monday, it looks like it's a Mrs. Boss takeover on Monday. I will be out doing real job things. We're still waiting to confirm that, but just giving you a heads up. Stephanie in the chat, welcome. Good to see you there. And uh, speaking of last night's H2O, uh, we had some technical issues uh, with regard to YouTube. So we were not able to stream live, but that has been uploaded for anybody that wants to go check out the... <clears throat> hot tub stream um ish psst. yes
0: i was going to say when you try to do a podcast from the hot tub you might have a few issues with the water
1: well you know it is that's one of those things right because, well i mean it is a hot tub uh yeah i mean it's not it's not the right it's not the the, the typical type of hot tub stream like you would expect to see over on twitch we we had a little fun with it. So, uh, anyway, it's, you know, one of those things, right? So, anyway, all right. So, today, May the 4th, it is May the 4th, Star Wars Day. But is it? Is it really? Now, Disney and Lucasfilm would like for you to think that it is Star Wars Day. It is May the 4th. And they've got all sorts of deals in place for product and merchandise and toys and costumes and that sort of thing. But I want to take you back, those of you who have not been here for a very long while. At least as far as being Star Wars fans, if you are new to the franchise or new-ish to the franchise, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a history lesson. Star Wars Day, May the 4th, started as a gag. At least this is my memory of it. There could be an official record of it somewhere. But it started sort of as a gag, you know, May the 4th, May the 4th be with you, yada, yada, yada. Okay, ha ha, everybody has a laugh. When Disney bought the company, when Disney bought Lucasfilm. Suddenly, May the 4th was an official thing. And it was used for marketing purposes to sell Star Wars merchandise. Well, okay, seems seems innocuous enough. But people have a tendency to forget that the original Star Wars day was not May the 4th. and And continues to this day to not be May the 4th, I would contend. The original Star Wars Day is May the 25th. Because on May the 25th, 1977, in 32 theaters in the United States and other places, Star Wars hit the screens for the very first time. And it was Star Wars. And it will be Star Wars to my dying day. Not Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. It was Star Wars. And for those of you who are interested in seeing the original Star Wars as it first appeared on the theater screens before all of the tinkering, the Despecialized Edition continues to work on updates and cleanup. I think they're on 3.0 now. Uh, Harmy and his gang over there working on restoring a historically accurate theatrical presentation of Star Wars as it originally appeared in movie theaters in May of 1977. Now, some of you may not know, but Lucas was tinkering with Star Wars from the very beginning. There were always corrections and changes and things. And you have to remember too that this is back in the day when movies were in in theaters for months, weeks, long time. And there was no home video yet, and there was no cable yet. And maybe a movie got shown on network television at some point, but I don't I don't recall Star Wars ever going on network TV? I don't think. I'm not sure. I could be wrong on that. It has been a day or two since 1977, but you have uh, you have this this notion that um, Star Wars Day is is May the Fourth, and I. I guess maybe it's kind of like Christmas in Germany because you have Christmas on December 25th, but you also have December 6th which is celebrated, which is when Christkind goes around and visits families, the Christ child. And so maybe maybe we can celebrate both, maybe maybe Star Wars Day and Star Wars Day-ish May 25th and May the fourth because you have you know the fifth and the sixth, you know, um that, they can play with that. I mean, you know, Revenge of the Sixth, I think, works better than the Revenge of the Fifth. But is it a good idea? Has Disney and Lucasfilm, Disney Lucasfilm, corrupted the meaning of May the 4th with this crass commercialism? And I'm not saying that they have, but have they? Has Star Wars Day, as a concept, lost some of its luster over the pursuit of the almighty dollar? And we know that Disney is very much invested in making as much money as they can off of this franchise, even though... Maybe they're not making as much money as they could. Uh, Multiverse United's Tom in there says, Wikipedia says, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, made its network television debut on CBS on February 26, 1984. Thank you very much, sir. It's good to have that clarification. I was thinking that it had been on TV... Uh, outside of cable, but I couldn't remember for sure. I do remember when we first got cable at my house, there was a particular channel that was running Star Wars a lot, and I remember one particular summer, I want to say it was probably mid-80s-ish, and I don't even remember the name of the channel. It's It's gone now. But I watched Star Wars maybe 200-plus times in the summer, I got to the point where I had the entire movie memorized. And this is back in the day where it was not cool to be a fan of this sort of thing, Star Wars and Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers and that such. So you kind of kept quiet unless you were around other people that you knew were the same stripe, as it were. And nowadays, it's really cool to be a geek. It's really cool to be a fan. But I have to wonder if it actually is. Because you have so much controversy and division and drama, and a lot of that is fueled by social media and the narcissism that is encouraged over there. Can we, as fans... even in those moments where we disagree about something, The Last Jedi, can we as fans agree to the overall idea that we like Star Wars? Just just as a general starting point. Because I think a lot of times when we have these discussions and debates and and the... the back and forth, and the neener neener neeters. So many people are focused on the things what they don't like, and the things they don't agree about. And I don't think we're taking enough time and putting forth enough effort to find the common ground, as it were. And a lot of, and a lot of that, a lot of that is encouraged by certain bad actors on social media and i know that there's a lot of that that drives traffic on a lot of these channels over on youtube and we have not dived into a lot of that drama it's it's not something that is a good fit for us. And a, and a number of people have made the comments and have given us very positive feedback on the fact that we don't have a channel like that. The fact that we don't approach things with you know guns blazing and outrage in the in the clickbait headlines and, and all of that kind of thing. We have generally rational, calm, mature. <clears throat> sort of discussions about various topics, whether we agree on them or not. And there are people on the staff who disagree with each other all the time about various different things. There's There's no mandate that says that everybody's got to agree with me because that would be boring. And there's nothing that says that everybody in the audience has to agree with me either. That would be boring. As long as we can respect those with whom we disagree, I think we come out ahead. But you have these groups, and Stephanie mentions Raylos. You have this group of people, and it's not just in Star Wars fandom, and I've talked about this before in various different aspects of, of discussions about different topics. It is a group of people that is so emotionally stunted And I don't know why. Maybe they didn't get enough hugs from their mothers growing up. Maybe their mamas still wear combat boots, and you just don't get along. But there's something, a trauma, a disappointment, something in their history combined with the very nature of social media encouraging narcissism and self-centeredness that has these folks believing that they are righteous in their cause to harass, cancel, insult, attack, brigade, whatever, whatever word you want to use— they are they feel totally justified because like with other ideologies let's say like with other aspects of this this particular viewpoint whether it's pop culture or social political, economic, whatever, it, it strikes me, and, it, and, and it's my experience, that there's a certain particular mindset behind this kind of behavior. They want to control the narrative. They want to control you. And they want to control the products. They want to control the companies that make the products. And we see that because in, in, you know, Star Wars posting their May the 4th artwork last week, and there's no sequel trilogy characters on the artwork. We see a Saj Ventress, we see a Tocatano, we see the Bad Batch. Everything that's on that graphic is pre-Disney. Now, Bad Batch is a fudge, but it's an extension of the Clone Wars, which is pre-Disney. Everything on that graphic, everything on that piece of artwork is pre-Disney, and a lot of people are upset about that. Where's Ray? Where's Rose? Where's Finn? Do you remember what Disney did to Finn? Do you remember what Disney did to John Boyega? By the way, speaking of The Bad Batch, I have not watched it yet. I'm waiting for Mrs. Boss to become available because she's had to work all morning. And for whatever reason, I don't know, I, I was not able to convince her to stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the premiere when it first dropped. So I have to wait, which gives us an opportunity. Yes, 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 yes. Are you going to are you going to? Get Mouthy over there, Mrs. Mouthy. Really? I'd like to see you sit there and stay
0: up till 2 in the
1: morning, which you normally do. Which I normally do.
0: And get up at 6 in the morning. Which I have done. Be chipper and happy like me.
1: Nobody's expecting anyone to be chipper and happy at 6 o'clock in the morning.
0: I am. You've complained about this.
1: Yes, I have. And I probably will again (laughs) till my dying day. What are you doing up so early? Why are you awake?
0: It's not as bad as you think.
1: Oh, but it is. Weakling. No, I just have a different schedule. Uh Uh-huh. Fifty years. Now, this is this is actually interesting because this is something that I've noticed. Because my, uh, when I was growing up, spending time with my family, with my mom's side of the family, there were a lot of times where we, as kids, were up till you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. It's no problem, and the adults were up late like that as well whether they're talking and you know my my aunt is sewing and doing a bunch of stuff like that and i remember several times thinking to myself what well, these the, the why are the grown-ups still awake and i learned later that there are some who get older and as they get older they have a tendency to need less sleep so you have people that are you know 50s 60s 70s who are only sleeping a handful of hours at night and they're they're good to go and i keep waiting for that to kick in (coughs) and and it's not kicking in yet
0: yeah it's 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 definitely not kicking in yet so mrs boss gets to sit and listen to mr boss all day i'm so tired so you're not fifty and six, I mean you're fifty. you're not seventy and eighty well, just yet
1: i I'm not exactly sure what it is. uh-huh It could be the fact that I'm well, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we why don't we go around the horn here because I'm looking at some of the stuff on uh Twitter which is where we are Twitter. Uh, by the way, anyone comics over on Twitter. Now if I if I mention anybody here, don't contact these people. It's just I'm just making some observations here. I'm not gonna criticize anybody. I'm not gonna go after anyone. This is not this is not an attack. I do notice here though, anyone comics says on this year's May the Fourth be with you, we're declaring that it is the official position of anyone comics that the last Jedi is better than Empire Strikes Back. We'll only hear your arguments if you spend at least ten dollars on Star Wars comics at our online store, and they provide a link. And that—that that to me, I think is pretty good marketing, uh, because how many people are going to defend the Last Jedi? So this, the—I mean, you go through and you look at all of the different artwork. Here's here's R2 and 3PO on on Sesame Street. People are people are showing their their merch and their shirts and and oh by the way I don't know if you've noticed or not but we have our we have our uh, our rebellion shirts on we're not now let me let me let me clarify this is more in solidarity really with drunk three PO and Gina Carano than it is us embracing fandom menace type of thing I I I still. Prefer to remain above the fray and the drama, and so far we've not been a target. But these are fun, and it's you know, it's, it's for it's Gina, charity.
0: It's Ray. It goes to charity, so Gina and and
1: we do it uh, for drunk. we do it for Joey.
0: Yes,
1: yes, for Joey, Joey, and
0: candy corns <laughs>
1: and candy corn team candy corn. All right, so um, now one thing, uh, one thing that did come out this t- uh, today. Which I think, we, we've talked about this, and this is fun. I, I am really looking forward to actually
0: Bineland. seeing
1: one of these, buying one of these, perhaps, depending on how it goes. This is the new lightsaber, uh, which is going to make its debut at, uh, at the new Star Wars Resort in 2022. Now, as you can see there, she turns around and ignites the blade. This is the new design that has a blade that extends from the pommel using, uh, using technology very similar to like what you would find in a measuring tape type of thing, where it has a take-up reel in the handle, and you have two sleeves of plastic and a, a strip of LED lights in between uh, those two sleeves of plastic, and they extend and they are coming out and see, and you can see right here as she turns around, you see let me let me blow that up. You can see the the tip of the plastic there in the handle. This is not a special effect. This is an actual thing. and you see the blade the blade came out before the light did. let me get back here. Because you can see right here, see the tip of the plastic is up top, and then you have the glow of the LEDs. This is a fascinating design, and I want to see this up close. Um, so I've got I've got birthdays and Christmas and anniversaries coming up. <coughs> um, but anyway. All right, Mazeris in the chat, welcome. Uh, Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker are strung together fan service with no cogent story. That's my Star Wars Day statement. Um. Yeah the the lightsaber I I don't think uh, yeah I don't think they're going to be sturdy enough for lightsaber battles or anything like that. Um, I think at, at the very least this thing is designed mostly for cosplayers because the the complaint and you see it a lot of discussions uh, about lightsabers in general is either you have the plastic extendo blade that, that folds into the hilt, and you've got this giant handle hilt thing that hangs from your belt. or you have one of the, one of the regular sabers, and you have to take the blade off if you're going to hang it from your belt. This is kind of a combination of those. It's the best of both. It, it's the extendo blade. But it's in a pommel that's that's manageable, and yes, Mazurs is a little bit it's a little bit bigger than than you would normally expect. But I was really surprised when I started making. Where did I put it? When I started making my own lightsaber, where's my lightsaber? Um. Okay. I don't see it. Well then, okay, I'm going to have to see if I can track that down because I have a lightsaber handle that I made. It was fabricated. It's mine. It's my design, and I put it together. and I was really surprised because you use the dimensions, you know, they're about two feet, they're about two feet long. And when you actually get it in your hand, it's bigger than you expect. I'm like, oh, this is this is much bigger, and I don't know where I put it. I will have to ask because when we rearranged, I thought it was down here. Hang on, let me hold, please. Y'all can look at this. Let's look at this. Uh... Ah, what is that doing? That's not supposed to do that. Stand by here. Okay. I'm not seeing it anywhere. What's up with that? <sighs> All right. Well, I did however find these. They got M&Ms in them. This this little lightsaber and it actually does still light up. It's red. But yeah, I don't see uh I'll have to ask Mrs. Boss where she put it. So. <laughs> yes. Find the lightsaber. Um I you know it's I don't know where it is. I don't know if my kids got it or if I just stashed it somewhere. It's entirely possible that I have put it somewhere and I don't know where I put it. I would expect that it'd be over here with all of the Star Wars stuff that we've got because we have a lot of Star Wars stuff. But I will have to ask. Mrs. Boss went, went over to the break room to get coffee, so I'm going to have to wait till she gets back. Anyway... Mazers, you're right. That is going to bother me until I find it. <clears throat> so, all right. So, hello, Andrew, in the chat. Welcome. Yeah, that's going to bother you <laughs> until I find it. Um, uh, that's, okay, that's annoying. Uh, we'll find it. We'll find it. Anyway, okay. So, um, the other thing you know, you talk about uh, you know the Raylos and the and the fandom and and people liking or not liking or whatever. You've got this one, uh, this one post here from Rotten Tomatoes charting the various different reactions to the different movies. And I thought I would get into a little bit more detail on this because here's the here's what they posted on Twitter. This design, this uh, this graphic that shows the tomato meter for the nine films. Now, it doesn't take into account Solo, it doesn't count any of the other stuff, the series, so I thought I would look here because if you look at the comparison of the critic score to the audience score, it tells somewhat of a different story. Now, here you have Star Wars, no episode four, Star Wars, 1977, critics' choice. You know, critics' rating 92 percent, audience score 96 percent. So everybody generally liked this film. The holiday special, everybody pretty much didn't like what they saw. (laughs) I had to throw that in there. The Empire Strikes Back, critics' score 94, audience score 97, which to this day, I think, holds true because a lot of people still consider The Empire Strikes Back to be the best Star Wars film out of all of them. I would say probably it's so still. Return of the Jedi, critics score 82%. Some of them didn't like the Ewoks. Audience score 94%. So that's the original trilogy. Now then you get into the prequel trilogy. And episode one, not very well received by critics and audience alike. You notice here the critics score 52%, audience score 59%. This is the weakest of the original six films because it's it's a lot of talking about economics and politics. And it's a lot of setup, and I know what George Lucas was trying to do. But in execution, it doesn't really come off that great. And for those people who sit in there go, you know, who who bash the the prequel trilogy now, it's to a certain extent, I think, justified because Lucas and I've said this before, Lucas spent so much time on the technology side of things and he let that technology roll over any part of character and story to the point where. That's all these movies were. They're visually impressive. They have, you know, for the time especially, stunning special effects. Uh, innovations like you would not believe. I mean, you would now. I mean, it. the innovations in the prequel trilogies are on a par with... Uh, the volume that they're using for for Mandalorian with the game engines and the screens, and you can just sit inside the studio and be on a different planet. It's the same kind of technological achievements. Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, critics liked it a little bit better, 65%. Audience score, 56%. We're still not quite there. Now, in hindsight, people are looking at these thinking, "Eh, they're maybe not as bad as we thought, but I think you're also looking at comparatively speaking, they're not as bad as we thought. They're not as bad as we got with the so with the sequel trilogy, and then you have Revenge of the Sith. Audience score sixty six percent, so it's a little bit better. People thought it was all right. This is probably the best of the three in the prequel trilogy, and then we get to the TV shows. I want to I want to point this out because this is. This is something I, I'm. I'm. I'm leading to a point here. Critics score on the Clone Wars 93 percent. Audience score 92 percent. We're back to everybody likes Star Wars, and I would su- submit that this is where you get Star Wars. It's in the approach to the material. Now, remember, Dave Filoni is working with George Lucas on this. Filoni is studying at the feet of the master, as it were, where you have that master-apprentice. Where, where Dave Filoni is is soaking up everything that George Lucas can teach him about making Star Wars. Uh, Tom is over on the on the uh, Odyssey stream. Says looks good so far. So great. That's that's good to know. I'm, I'm very gratified to see that because I, I'm not seeing it here. Let me refresh that window and see if maybe I can see something here. Uh, Mrs. Boss, back in here with her coffee from the break. Do you know where my lightsaber handle is? Because I don't find it anywhere. I don't see it over here. Does the youngling have it? I don't remember. I didn't give it to him. I don't find it. And that's puzzling, <clears throat> to say the least. I don't know where it would be. All right. So, yes, Christopher, Star Wars Day, The Search for the Saber. Yeah, uh, yeah, Cam, it, it is in Revenge of the Sith. That is one of the best lightsaber duels that you will ever see on screen. Um, and, again... It goes back to the visuals are impressive, the story not so much. I wrote, uh, I wrote an opinion piece on our site very long time ago, and this is well before the Clone Wars came out. It's before any of the sequel trilogy or anything like that. I, and, and it was basically you know, an article saying, here's why I don't care about Anakin Skywalker. And I still, to a certain extent, don't. We don't need Darth Vader's origin story. We don't need his backstory. For the, for the purposes of Star Wars, if you have just the first three films, if there were nothing else, then you still have a complete story. You have Darth Vader fully formed as a villain. He's the bad guy, and that's all you need to know. You don't need to know how he became the bad guy. And if you watch the, the first six movies in chronological order as they take place, episode one, two, three, four, five, six, then you don't get the surprise when you're watching The Empire Strikes Back and Darth Vader says, No, I am your father. And everybody in the theater went, Ugh. You don't get that moment when you have the backstory shouldn't do that. (coughs) Excuse me. There's no surprise there. So there's the machete order of watching these films where you start with Star Wars, you do the Empire Strikes Back, and then do flashback to episode 1 if you want to, episode 2, episode 3, and then you do 6, Return of the Jedi, because that way... It all kind of goes together. But even then, the prequel trilogy is inconsistent with what we got from Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, here's what happened to your father. When I first met him, and we've got this whole backstory right there in, in three lines of dialogue. And that's all we need to know. About Luke's father. About Darth Vader. He was a student of mine. He fell to the dark side. Okay, got it. We're good. He's a bad guy. The Clone Wars comes around and and really offers up some redemption for Anakin Skywalker because this is an Anakin Skywalker I can get behind in terms of character. He's not whiny brat that we got in the prequel trilogy. Are you finding it? Yeah, I'm finding it. It's not over here. I'm not sure where it is. Yeah, I don't know where it is. It's very strange. It's in a box no, I don't, I don't know. know. It's not in that cabinet over there, is it? I, don't see I I
0: don't either.
1: It's I not on been, that shelf. All I can think of because- it's got to be in a box somewhere. All right. So Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars has redemption for me as a character. You actually care about what happens to this guy now. And and some of that is how he's portrayed, how Matt Lanter portrayed him, how he's written by Dave Filoni and the rest of the people there, and the relationship that he has with Ahsoka Tano. That factors into it as well. So it's no surprise to me at all that you look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores, and and I know for all of for what everybody thinks about Rotten Tomatoes, that's, uh, I get that. Well, it stipulate that Rotten Tomatoes is a garbage site now. But now you look at Star Wars Rebels, which is sort of in the same vein as the Clone Wars. It does eventually continue some of the story there, at least as far as Ahsoka is concerned. Ninety-eight percent on the critic side, eighty-two percent on the audience score. Not as good as Clone Wars, but people people looked at Rebels as not quite as good as Clone Wars. It does grow on you. Um, it could be the fact that we've got new characters, and it's set so close in time frame to Star Wars. People maybe okay, where are these people coming from and why didn't we see them in Star Wars? Now you have to explain all of that, yes?
0: Well, and at the same time, I think if you go from the animation to the animation, and even if you go to Resistance from here, you know, it's the whole, you get such a, the clean cut lines, I guess is the best way to put it with Clone Wars. And then these guys here in Rebels are a little bit more curvy, and then you go to resistance, which is, you know, it it's it's like when you guys talk about your comic book drawings mm-hmm. to cal arts. And I'm not saying rebels and resistance are cal arts, but they're moving that direction.
1: Well, and and we get to here to to resistance. Let me see where it is. Star Wars Resistance, that is uh, 92% of the critic score. Now this is post-Disney. And this is <sighs> And I need to watch that one. A diverse cast. It's there, there's more, I don't want to say woke politics, but it does lean a little bit more. And you can tell, you see here in some of the stories. Now, again, it was aimed a little bit younger audience. So that might have had something to do with it. But your audience score here, 56%. There's not a whole lot of people that liked this. The critics loved it, 92%. But it's not. I watched a few episodes. I didn't care for it. It's kind of dumb. But... If it's part of
0: the story now, it's kind of... It's like people... Telling people to truly appreciate the... You know, the prequel trilogy, watching Clone Wars, because you do get that, you know, in-between time from the second and third movie. Yeah. And so with Resistance now being a part of it... How much that's going to tie into any shows that happen?
1: Well, and possibly. And uh, Cam makes a point. Resistance was about the sequel trilogy. Resistance was cu- was tied into that quite a bit, and and the sequels were not getting uh, as good a reception. Now, for those who who don't remember we need to we need to acknowledge that when the force awakens came out people were hyped Critics score 93% audience score 86% this was a good start for a lot of people and i have made the point in in a few places i know jj J. abrams is a hack who who is imitative at best and he can't stick the landing when it comes to an ending for his stories but given the fact that you have audience trust to win over, and given the fact that you've got Disney now owns Lucasfilm, and they're this giant conglomerated corporation that now owns the baby, the golden goose, there are a lot of concerns. What's Disney going to do with it? Are they going to be able to handle it? Can they give us Star Wars that respects what George Lucas created. And when The Force Awakens came out, at first blush, it kind of felt like maybe we were there. I think that some of that, especially for us older people that were there at the beginning, there's a lot of nostalgia factor In this as well. It's not so much that we were watching. And following the story. Is that we were seeing. This universe again. And it was the first time. That we're seeing live action Star Wars. In gobs of years. And that. I think. Plays into. Glossing over what flaws there are. In the story. Because you know. You've got to. For all the. The the dynamic changes and impact that Star Wars had on Hollywood in general. It's not a perfect movie. None of them are. Some of the dialogue is a little clunky. You know, it's like Harrison Ford says, you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. So all of the films have their flaws, no question. But... The core of the idea, the core of the story holds up. And The Force Awakens had potential. It gave us a beginning. Now, completely missed the opportunity to pull all of the gang back together in one shot, in one scene, put them together. That's what everybody was hoping for. is what everybody was waiting for. Wait a minute, what do you mean Luke's not in this movie? Then Rogue One comes out. We hear about all of the problems on set. The whole last 20 minutes or so had to be completely reshot and done over again. But at the same time, it's still pretty well received because it leads right into Star Wars. And again, you get nostalgia factor because Gold Leader and Red Leader, they're using footage from 1976, from the original shoot. In this movie. And you get an explanation as to why it's so easy. We just put a little proton torpedo down this this shaft. It's only two meters wide. But here's the flaw. It's supposed to be. It's designed with the flaw. Which is good. You know, that it makes a certain amount of sense. But, you know, critics liked it. 84%. Audience liked it. 86%. It was doing pretty well. Okay. Star Wars is... Okay, doing all right. Then the bottom drops out. <clears throat> Let me uh, go through the chat here. Andrew says, Critics these days just seem to try and guess what the audience will like, not whether it's objectively good. That's an excellent point. And, and I would I would say that Critics, well, and in you, general, are looking at things. Well, modern day critics look at things a certain way. In in general, the critics of the past were looking a whole lot more at craft than I think they do now. Yes, Mrs. Boss, you're saying.
0: Something? Well, I was going to sit there and say critics these days want to keep their passes. We saw that with Disney.
1: Yeah, well, I think that factors into it. As well, uh, Cam says, I didn't love The Force Awakens, but I thought it would be made okay with the rest of the trilogy. I was 100% wrong, exact opposite. Um, Mazer says, Uncle Owen was a grouch far more than his Attack of the Clones counterpart. Well, Uncle Owen yours was a will do that, yeah. Yours will do that. I can look at Mr. Boss, I, yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> uh, I can, I can definitely attest to that. And said there you go, hey. You want to know how I got this way? Things happen. And we might see some of that in the Kenobi series. There may be some of that where we get that, you know, Owen, and we get Owen's arc. Uh, Mazur says, this is why they shouldn't have done episodes seven through nine. Just a three-part story about Han, Luke, and Leia. It wasn't thought through, which is why I continue to say the sequel trilogy was likely a short-term cash grab. And I think it kind of was. Um, I, I, I won't, I won't, I won't own that a hundred percent, though. I think that there have been people in the Disney, Lucasfilm, Star Wars machine who do have good intentions, who do want to put out a good product. Part of the problem is that they're not entirely in charge of everything. And we see here with The Last Jedi, the reaction here, 90% critic score. Ooh, everybody likes it, except nobody likes it. 42% audience score. And this is where you really start to look at where things go sideways, not just in terms of the productions, the films themselves, but the media coverage the audience reaction and this is where things start to completely fall apart because this is where rotten tomatoes started to make moves to protect disney and then that continued through with captain marvel and by the way i will i will say this calling captain marvel 2 the marvels to me is a tacit acknowledgement whether they're going to admit it or not, they never will. But I, I, I would submit that calling Captain Marvel 2 The Marvels instead of Captain Marvel 2 is a tacit admission on the part of Disney and Marvel that Captain Marvel, as portrayed by Brie Larson, is not enough of an audience draw. They are hoping with The Marvels, one, a lot of people looked at that and they said, oh, that's the next Shazam movie. Well, no, it's not. It's Captain Marvel 2. The S at the end is stylized like the S, the Ms. Marvel S, which Carol Danvers wore before she was Captain Marvel, but now you have Ms. Marvel, which is going to be the TV series. So she's going to be in this, and we can assume that Monica Rambeau will probably be in this. So we're probably looking at a team-up kind of like The Ultimates, which is most of the Captain Marvels. So it's a, it's a branding thing. It's a marketing thing, but it also says Brie Larson is not going to be able to sell this movie. <laughs> Andrew says, sounds like they lost their Marvels. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hot coffee does not go up the nose.
1: Uh, I like that one. Well, that's that's a good one. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, and thanks, the, thanks. The, well, the other problem with the other problem we get with with Disney stuff is the the problems that are inherent in the films. They want to try to go back with the comic books and the novels and try to explain things and this is inherently damaging to your story universe because if i'm if i'm in the audience and i watch a movie i need to be able to follow everything that happens in that movie even if it causes me to ask questions wait what what do you mean he's his he's the father what do you mean he's luke's father he can't be he can't be luke's father he's lying right and you get an answer in return of the jedi but The entirety of the movie does not hang on that question. And Lucasfilm doesn't sit there and say, well, for the answer to this question, you need to go read this novel and these 12 comic books and go watch this TV show. And then we'll explain it all. That's not how you tell a story. Because like we see with the Marvel movies, the Marvel movies missed... Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to, to send people to read the comic books. There's no synergy there. But at the same time, the Marvel movies don't depend on you going to read a comic book to explain what you just watched in the theater. And Star Wars continues to do that. Go read this comic book. Go read this miniseries. Go read this book. It'll explain it all. That's not how it works. And a lot of a lot of people are looking at Star Wars as a mess because of that, in part. Uh, we talked about Resistance. Then six months after you get, oh, well, that's not what I want. Six months after you get The Last Jedi, then you've got Solo that comes out. And it bombs for a number of reasons. And I still think that if they had waited six months, if they had put this thing out in, december instead of what may it would not have done as badly but you still had people that were sore over the last jedi you had people that were still stewing over the damage done to luke skywalker and the franchise they took it out on Solo. And the critics weren't that thrilled with it, 69%. Audience score, 64%. There are people out there who like Solo. It's okay. I don't hate it. It's not a terrible movie, or as Charles Charles Barkley would say, terrible. It's not a terrible movie. It's not great. It's serviceable. It's completely unnecessary. And it also does what I'm complaining about with terms of... Explain something. Because when Darth Maul shows up at the end of Solo, unless you've watched the shows, unless you've watched Clone Wars, you have no idea that Darth Maul is still alive. If all you have seen are the movies, Darth Maul is dead after the first film. After episode one. And now, suddenly, he shows back up. Wait, how is that possible? He was dead. Well, if you go watch this TV show, we can explain it all. If you're going to bring him back, you're going to have to explain it in the movie where he shows up because that's where bulk of your people are going to be watching this. They're not going to watch the TV show. They're not going to read the comic books. They're not going to read the novels. And not all of them are going to go play Fortnite to listen to the message from the Emperor who's come back from the dead where we start The Force Awakens. Or not The Force Awakens, The Rise of Skywalker. You remember the crawl, the roll-up where they says, The dead speak. This message that we got from Emperor Palpatine. That was over on Fortnite where people got that. Excuse me? That's not the kind of marketing synergy that actually works. That's a gimmick. And it's similar. See, if you, if, you want this, if you want this Star Wars reveal, then you've got to go pay for this product. You've got to go pay for this game so you can see this, this piece of Star Wars. It's like, it's like Zack Snyder's Justice League. If there was not HBO Max to sell, we would not have Zack Snyder's Justice League. There's no reason for Zack Snyder's Justice League to exist outside of the fact that it's used by AT&T to sell HBO Max subscriptions. That's exactly why it's out there. And it's one of the reasons why Warner Brothers is so hot to try to get away from the Snyderverse because they don't have anything to do with HBO Max. They derive maybe a little benefit. It's, it's synergy between elements of the same company that's owned by AT&T. But HBO Max and Warner Brothers Pictures, the movie side of things, they're, they're different. That's why you're not going to get Zack Snyder's Justice League back in theaters. It's why you're not going to get the Snyderverse back in theaters, because now it's on HBO Max. And if the Snyderverse continues, it'll be on HBO Max. And Warner Brothers doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. Whatever your take on Snyder Cut is, that's the reality of it, at least as far as we know. Anne Sarnoff has washed her hands of it. Toby Emmerich didn't want to do it. This mandate came from at and And I think if Disney is smart... If Bob Chapek is smart, and I don't know, but if we, keep, we keep hearing rumors. You have this whole debacle with, with Gina Carano and all of that kind of thing, and you hear these rumors every now and again that maybe there's some discussion about bringing her back. Maybe John Favreau ends up in charge of Lucasfilm. Maybe there's nothing to suggest in and out there in public there's no information out there this is all rumor it's whispers it's back chatter it's 4chan stuff reddit there's no there's there's no indication one way or the other what's going to happen here all we have are just speculations i don't know We'll see. Can
0: I ask you a question, Mr.
1: Boss? You can ask me a question, sure.
0: We've been hearing speculations, rumors, Uh all that with Gina. And depending on whose story you're listening to, want to believe, and really happened, maybe... Disney did the firing. Maybe it was Kathleen Kennedy's. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, it's there's there's a lot of.
1: The thing is, though, and let me let me before you ask your question, let me let me stipulate. Okay. There is a premise to all of this, based on an assumption. Because we still do not have any of official statement from disney or lucasfilm saying gina carano has been fired we had the email from somebody in luke the lucasfilm office who said we're not currently working with her now as far as we know they were in talks for contracts but they had not gotten a contract yet and her character and grief cargo weren't even supposed to show up in season three of the mandalorian anyway so we can assume that we're talking about Rangers of the New Republic probably when they would show up next. But not having a contract and we're not currently working with Gina Carano is a whole lot different from we have fired her and she's never coming back. So Disney and Lucasfilm have an out But I find it really interesting how much people have accepted the premise that Gina was fired. And, you know, to all extents and purposes, likely she was. The way it's been handled has been terrible on the part of Disney or Lucasfilm. But on a technicality, they could still bring her back. Now, you have a question.
0: Depending on what the technicality is uh-huh and how she's been treated mm-hmm. should she go back
1: yes okay. with conditions a really good legal team well i think the only way that i see gina going back is for the fans because you have these shirts you have a fan base that has become that has been so galvanized over this that if disney were to sit there and and go back hat in hand and do a mea culpa and say hey we handled this wrong and sure save face say you know whoever sent that email and yes whoever sent that email said a lot of stupid things that they never should have said about her Her words are reprehensible and abhorrent and all of that. In HR world, you cannot do that. That's illegal. So the out for Disney is somebody overstepped their authority and they didn't have the official sanction to say that sort of thing. And, oh, no, we never never decided that we were going to ostracize Gita Carano. We'd love to have her back. And they save face. And they do a lot of kiss and make-up. And Gina comes back for the fans. Maybe. But if Jon Favreau has crafted his entire Mandalorian-verse around her character, then she's got some incentive to come back, too. Because if she's at the core, along with Din Djarin or grief cargo, whoever else, if this whole story that Favreau had mapped out hinges on her, or at least she's a very important factor in it, that's gotta that's gotta come into play as well. And if, if 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 Kathleen Kennedy is on her way out, that could factor into it as well. Maybe she decides, yeah, I'm gonna come back, but I'll come back after Kathy's gone. You know, timing of this is going to be something as well because she's working on this thing with Daily Wire now. We don't know when that's going to come out, when that's going to come out, what kind of production it is. It's likely going to be a feature film, but it's not gone into pre-production yet as far as I know. As far as I know, we don't even have a story yet. There's no script. So we don't know anything about that. So there's still a lot of things that are up in the air, but... The, the Gina Carano situation goes beyond Gina Carano for, for a lot of people, and it has raised awareness, I think, of how the cancel cult is going after people that don't agree with them, and that's got to be playing into it as well. For Disney and Nas- National Geographic, for example— to restore Gina's episode of, of Running Wild with Bear Grylls. And I know I know Bear Grylls had a lot to do with that, too. He brought some pressure from his camp, saying, this, this episode needs to air. And you have uh, Dana White over at the wrestling, what, WWE or whatever, saying, you know, this cancel cult is a bunch of BS. We're going to do our thing. And Gina didn't do anything wrong. And behind the scenes, some chatter and some rumors. I I think conditions could be such that she could come back. What? Will she? I would love to ask her. I would love to have a conversation with her. Hey, Gina, if you're watching, we'd love to have you on the show. Either this one or Ranker Pit. Which I think we're going to do. We're gonna we're going to have uh, a special ranker Pit Thursday night to talk about Bad Batch because we've got we got the new episode dropping today. Um, let's see here. Uh, Cam says yes. They must officially and publicly denounce that action. Uh, Mazur says in HR world, it's legally unprofessional. It's not just not just unprofessional; it's illegal, as, as I understand HR, because um, <clears throat> as I've learned it over the years. If someone is fired or asked to leave their position at a company and somebody calls and says, hey, I'm checking references, did this person work for you? Yes, they worked for us this date to this date. And that's really all that they can say. I think there's a fudge factor they could say whether or not they would hire them again. I don't know that for sure. But details like that, you know, what they said was abhorrent and reprehensible and stuff, you can't do that.
0: You can also inflict a tone in the voice
1: for it. You can. You can imply. But if you explicitly say, that person is bad mojo, we'd never hire her again, that's illegal as I understand it. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an HR professional. So don't take my word for it. But yes, that... Is highly inappropriate. And that gives Disney the out. Because whoever did it can be the sacrificial lamb. And maybe they're setting up for that. Who knows? I don't think Pablo Hidalgo is going to be there that much longer. That's a personal guess on my part, though. Um, Andrew says, Midnight's Edge has uploaded a video on this. Uh, are you, you're talking about the, um, Andrew says, the studios don't have money to waste anymore, but they do have large liabilities. Both things will make them cautious and risk averse. I predict an era of cut price franchise tie-ins. I. That's a good point. I think in the overall grand scheme where you have the pandemic and the lockdowns and the economic hardships uh, that not only studios are facing, but just the general public is facing because of the employment situations. I think this is going to be the beginning of a renaissance for low-budget films. Whether they're in a franchise or not, that's going to be a creative challenge. How do you make a low-budget Marvel movie, for example? How do you make a low-budget Star Wars movie? It's tough. But if you do your math right, if most of your movie slate in a year is low budget, say 2 to 5 to 10 15 million dollar pictures instead of 150 300 million, then you can save that money that you that you're not spending on the smaller pictures and you put that money into maybe one or two big tent pole blockbusters and the rest of your slate is I don't want to say artistic, but you can do your romantic comedies and your your buddy films and your and your you know your buddy cop type of things and your and your whatnot.
0: Well it's doable, it's just a matter of people willing to do it. I mean look at Star Trek 2.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean that was nineteen eighty two. This and it was done by the television division. And Yes, you do it on a lot smaller budget, and you limit yourself in terms of what kind of locations you've got, what kind of set pieces you have. So it's doable.
0: It's doable, but the problem is, is like
1: everything else,
0: people are expecting their ways to blow lots of money where maybe they shouldn't. I mean, maybe. Look at Although, the Game of Thrones. Look at all that. I mean, how much they're spending per episode? Yeah. Is it necessary?
1: Well, no. And you look at Lord of the Rings coming in at, what, $250-some-odd million dollars the, for the first season alone? It's crazy. Uh, Cam says, fun fact, I met Pablo Hidalgo at a party. And See, and that's the other thing. The people that behave reprehensibly on, online, on social media, they could be perfectly fine in person. They could be nice as all get out in person it's when they get into keyboard warrior mode that's when you start to have problems all right that's uh, that's we're over our hour that's going to do it for us today thanks very much for everybody being in the chat andrew Mazarus, cam um oh cam says he was nice but kind of a mope kind of i guess maybe like that photograph that we keep seeing um uh, so all right, so tomorrow on the program, we will have Austin Oswakey. He is the CEO of uh, Comic Distro, which is a new comics distribution outfit out of San Diego. I believe San Diego. And uh, he'll be here to talk about his new operation. It looks like the comics distribution field is starting to open up and get a little bit more democratized, which is good for the industry. It is something that um, I think... Definitely needs to happen a little bit more. Uh, we saw it with uh, DC Comics making a move last year with uh, Lunar and uh, I think DC, DCBS, DCS, and now we've got uh, Diamond's Diamond still in the mix, but there are other options, and I think that's good for the for the marketplace. So we'll be talking about that tomorrow on Thursday. We don't have a guest lined up yet. I'm hoping to hear back from somebody about a something. something. We'll see. So keep an eye out on the socials. And then coming up on Saturday, we've got a brand new Doctor Who discussion over on Tardis Sauce at 1 p.m. Eastern. And uh, that is also on Saturday where we're going to have a new Good Morning Multiverse where we have the headlines for the week. So that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. May the 4th be with you and all of that. And we're going to be watching The Bad Batch and we'll do a ranker Pit on... Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern to talk about the bad. Well, we may do it. We may do it an hour early. We may do it 7 Eastern. So watch the socials. We'll make the announcement. We'll tell you all about it. And you have everything that you need. No big whoop. and 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 everything will be fine. So thanks very much for being here, everybody. Have a good day. Check out the rest of the videos. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Make sure that you're following us over on Odyssey as well